0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's Tribe Time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.
2: Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Indians playing the Tigers this weekend in a three-game series that got off to a good start on Friday night. Another shutout win for the Indians, this time 10-0 over the tigers their second consecutive shutout victory by double figures as they had defeated the white Sox earlier this week and we'll get to that shortly on our week in review but we can tell you coming up on this week's show good interviews this week with jan gomes indians catcher who has really caught fire at the plate and is swinging the bat extremely well and a fairly lengthy interview with trevor bauer who covers a lot of ground in terms of pitching and Also some other subjects too, so some good stuff from Trevor Bauer this week. And James Harris will join us, the Indians Director of Player Development, to talk about the farm system, the lowest levels of the Indians farm system, which got underway earlier this week. But first, our week in review, and we start on Monday with the White Sox in town here at Progressive Field to take on the Tribe in a three-game series, and it started off on an upbeat note for the Indians as they got the scoring started early in the second inning thanks to Roberto Perez. Dylan Covey with a high hold delivers to the Tribe catcher. A swing and a liner. Down the
1: line again, right, and it... Gets stuck in the wall down the right field line for a two-run double. How about that? The Indians have a 2-0 lead on Perez's liner down the right field line, and it got stuck between the padding and that screen there, and the Indians lose a run.
2: It was a 4-0 Tribe lead in the fifth inning when Jason Kipnis continued his recent hot stretch. Kipnis lines one high and deep, right center field, way back, home run, Kipnis. Oh, a breakout game going for Jason Kipnis. Three for three, and now his fifth home run of the season. And the Indians lead at 5-0. And that would be plenty of run support for Trevor Bauer, who might have gone the distance in this one were it not for a 35-minute rain delay in the seventh inning. Bauer ended up going seven innings with eight strikeouts and did not give up a run. So in the ninth, on to finish it off, was Dan Otero. Now the payoff. Swung on, chopper to the mound. Club by Otero, overhand throw to first. Bogey!
1: So the Indians and the White Sox their fifth consecutive defeat. And the Indians increased their lead to three games over Idle, second place Detroit. And the tribe with a dominant performance from Trevor Boward tonight. And how about the eight and nine hitters? As tonight it was Jason Kipnis and Roberto Perez hitting eighth and ninth. They combined for five hits and four
2: RBIs. So a nice six to two win for the tribe on to Tuesday night. And the Indians back at it against the White Sox with Mike Clevenger on the hill against tough left-hander Carlos Rodon. A run in the first inning for the White Sox gave Chicago the early lead, but the Indians answered in the second thanks to Yonder Alonso.
1: Now the payoff pitch. Swung and ripped into right field. That's a base hit. That'll score Encarnacion. Stopping at second is Geyer, and we've got a tie game. So Yonder Alonso... Gets a base hit off a tough left-hander and gets his 38th RBI in the process. And the Indians make Rodon pay for the walk-in hit batter.
2: A run scored on a wild pitch from Rodon, and that put the Indians in front 2-1. to one. And then with two outs, Francisco Lindor kept the inning alive. Alonso at third, Gomes at second. The pitch. Lindor lines one toward
1: the gap in right center. It is dropping, and it'll be a two-out, two-run single. In to score are Alonzo and Gomes, and Francisco Lindor with a clutch two-out, two-run single to right center, and the Indians have a four-to-one lead.
2: They would stay four-to-one until the seventh inning. That's when the Indians were back at it with two outs. First, it was Michael Brantley.
1: Rondone, deep breath, fires and it's swung in and socked to center field. Back goes Zengel, he reaches out, jumps, ball glances off his club, hits the track, bangs up against the wall, in with an RBI double is Brantley. In to score is Davis, and it's a five to one tribe lead.
2: Then, Edwin Encarnacion.
1: Now the 2-1, swung on, ground ball wide of third, by the diving Sanchez into left field. Brantley around third, he's going to score, and the Indians lead it six to one. Edwin Encarnacion with a two-out RBI single to left, and Brantley scores from second.
2: Ramirez will stop at second. And on the pitching front, it was Mike Clevenger's turn to throw a gem.
1: Sox batting in the eighth, runner on, one out, and the one-two delivery to the White Sox best hitter, and Abreu. Checked on a breaking ball in the dirt, he went around. Appeal at first. Will Little rings him up. Ten strikeouts for Clevenger. He struck out 11 Chicago White Sox last Thursday, and that for Clevenger is his third double-digit
2: strikeout game this season. So the Indians had a 6-3 to win over the White Sox Tuesday night. On to Wednesday afternoon, a little day baseball midweek at Progressive Field. And it was a Kluber day on Wednesday. Corey Kluber against Reynaldo Lopez for the White Sox. And the Indians' bats were booming all day, starting in inning number one with Jose Ramirez.
1: Shift is on to the right side of the infield. Ramirez batting left-handed. And he sends one high in the air, deep right center field, it is gone! Jose Ramirez makes it 3 nothing Indians on a home run to right center. His team high 22nd
2: and now a team high 50 RBIs. In the fifth inning, Yonder Alonso helped the Tribe extend its lead. Here's the 3-1. Swung on, line drive, right field, base hit. Down the line it goes, up against the wall. Extra bases for Alonso. Scoring is Ramirez, and into second with a stand-up double is Yonder Alonso. 5 nothing Tribe. On the line drive, double down the right field line for Alonso, and that will close the book. And end the day for Reynaldo Lopez. Meanwhile, Corey Kluber was his usual dominant self. Kluber has been dazzling
1: again. You know, a lot of great pitchers have never thrown a no-hitter, and he's one of them. Today, he gave up kind of a, almost a half-swing single by Narvaez with two strikes. He kind of just reached out and poked one down the third baseline. That's the only hit for the Sox today as Kluber... Has one walk, and since that walk, Corey Kluber has retired 13 in a row. Now into the motion, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He strikes out Polka. Strikeout number seven for Corey Kluber. and wouldn't be surprised if his day is over here at 96 pitches with seven shutout innings.
2: Then in the seventh, Jason Kipnis with the biggest blow of the day.
1: Second and third one out. And the pitch to Kipnis. A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right center field. At the wall, Polka. It is gone. It's a three-run home run to right center. Jason Kipnis puts an exclamation mark on a six-run inning. The kid's back. Kept this with a sixth home run, 30 RBIs. And the Indians have removed any doubt, if there was any. 11-0 Indians.
2: Off day Thursday for the Tribe. They were back at it on Friday night against the Tigers. And it was another solid pitching performance. This time, Shane Bieber, after a long rain delay, got things started. And he was ready to roll. Shane Bieber started the year in
1: double-A, dominated at Akron, dominated at AAA a Columbus. And now his third major league start. The pitch, a swing and a miss, went breaking ball away, and he strikes out Castellanos. So Bieber has a 1-2-3 first inning. And here's the young man in his third major league start, having to wait over an hour and 40 minutes to make it. Didn't seem like it phased him, did it? Tigers go in order. Indians coming to bat.
2: Francisco Lindor got the scoring started in the third inning for the Indians.
1: Here's the 3-1 pitch. Lindor with a high drive, deep right field. It's got a chance. It is gone. Francisco Lindor hits his 17th home run. 13 of them left-handed. A towering blast, deep into the lower deck in right. And the Indians
2: have a 1-0 lead. Then in the fourth, Edwin Encarnacion went deep. Long set the pitch to Encarnacion, swung on and launched. High and deep, left field, home run Encarnacion. onto to the home run porch. A two-run bomb for Encarnacion. And the Tribe is now up 3-0. Number 17 on the year for Encarnacion. And he now has driven in 46. And with the lead, Shane Bieber continued to shine. Here's John Hicks, one for two with a single. He
1: cuts and misses, strike one and a good slider. With this kid, he just throws any of his four pitches at any point in the count but he throws them for strikes. The 0-1, swing and a miss. Went breaking ball again, 0-2. A lot of guys have four pitches, but they can't throw two of them for strikes. So really, you're down to two pitches that the hitter even worries about. Now the 0-2. Swing and a miss. He kept throwing sliders. And Hicks is strikeout victim number nine. Every time Bieber gets a strikeout, it's a new career high, but of course... That's not saying much when it's only your
2: third major league start. In the seventh base is loaded for the Indians. Yonder Alonzo provided the exclamation point. The next delivery. A swing and a drive. High. Deep to right
1: center. Way out of here. Yonder. Alonzo's second Grand Slam of the year a uh, no doubt about it Mammoth Blast to right center and the Indians have removed all doubt as the Indians take a 9-0 lead on Yonder Alonso's fourth career Grand Slam. Lindor Ramirez, Encarnacion, the welcoming committee at home plate.
2: So the Indians won it by that 10-0 final score, and their win streak heading into play on Saturday night against the Tigers is at 5. They'll play the Tigers at 6-10 Saturday night, 1-10 Sunday afternoon to wrap up the homestand. Stay with us. When we return, we'll visit with Indians catcher Jan Gomes,
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations.
2: Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us today as we talk baseball on the radio And the Indians are in the midst of a nice long homestand here against Central Division opponents. They'll head out on the road after Sunday afternoon's game with the Tigers to wrap up the homestand. And an interesting road trip that features interleague play in St. Louis to get it started. Three night games Monday through Wednesday nights in St. Louis. Then after an off day Thursday, it's on to Oakland to take on the athletics for the first time this season next weekend. And then the road trip finishes up in Kansas City, taking us through the 4th of July before the Indians return home for their final homestand heading into the All-Star break. So, boy, it's amazing how quickly it's coming, but it won't be long before the Indians take that break for the All-Star game, and it remains to be seen how many of the Tribe players will be representing the American League, but you can bet that it will be a pretty good contingent for the Indians at the All-Star game this year in Washington, D.C. Well, Indians catcher Jan Gomes has been having a real nice season. Uh, heading into the season, it looked like the Tribe might split the catching chores, but Gomes has really taken a step forward both behind the plate and at the plate. And in this recent hot stretch for him, we caught up with him, and he talked about the keys to his extended stretch of good work at the plate.
3: Uh, it's really just um, taking each eye back for what it is, uh, not getting so caught up on, you know, not getting the job done at one of the at-bats and just uh, just moving on. And uh, it's really just communicating with a lot of the guys here. We have uh, we have some tremendous hitters on our team and just try to talk to them, try to communicate and see what, what they see or see what uh, kind of any advice they can give you.
2: And the big at-bat for you came with the bases loaded yesterday and you, you cleared them with a double. If I remember correctly three oh count during that at bat what 's the challenge there when when you get in that situation because I know Tito likes to give you guys some room to to go ahead and swing away three and o but is that as easy as it seems sometimes?
3: I think it takes some skills to do that because I try to do that the next at bat and didn 't work out so well and uh, you kind of go go back with your pretty uh, upset at yourself, especially when you 're up three o and uh but you're really just trying to you know if you 're going to swing, you have to really dotted up like try to make sure that the pitch is right where exactly where you want it but uh, those are usually not the kind of uh, approaches I want to have I, I, I want to usually focus on a zone but three Os I usually just try to try to time them up and uh, try to get into the flow with them
2: all right we'll finish up with these two three generations of gomes were here in the ballpark yesterday yes. your, your dad and mom and mm-hmm. uh, you obviously you and, and your kids were here what did that mean to you to, to have that all come together on a father's Day
3: and uh, um I think once you sit back and realize what a, what a moment that was for my family, and um, it's really amazing. Uh, just having my family out here, getting to, to watch me play, um, they work so hard, and they're the reason why you know they've given me the opportunity to play baseball, and I, I'm just so so honored to represent them. And um, Again, now I have my own little family and uh, try to represent our name well.
2: All right, Comer, thanks a lot for coming by. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Kent Indians catcher, Jan Gomes. Stay tuned when we return, we'll hear from tribe pitcher Trevor Bauer about his breakthrough season and much much more. That comes your way shortly on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us this weekend, talking baseball on the radio. Lots of baseball left this weekend here at the ballpark as the Indians will take on the Tigers at 6-10 on Saturday night, 1-10 on Sunday afternoon. And Trevor Bauer will make that start on Saturday night after a victory on Monday night to get the homestand, at least the, the Chicago portion of the homestand, started, that three-game series against the White Sox. He was sharp again. And uh, when we caught up with Trevor earlier this week, we touched on a variety of subjects, and one of those was something that he calls tunneling in terms of uh, how he attacks hitters. And we asked him what he meant by that when he was talking about his outing on Monday night.
4: Yeah, so the best way I can kind of describe it is if you imagine a tree, you know there's one trunk and it comes up from the ground and then about halfway up the tree or whatnot it splits off and there's branches that come out different ways the branches are different lengths, different thicknesses, stuff like that. So if you imagine the ground is my release point and the trunk of the tree is I want all my pitches to travel through the trunk of the tree so they all look the same and then about halfway to the plate, they split off and the different branches are the different pitch types. So one's a little bit shorter, might be a cutter, one's a little bit longer, might be a curveball, that, that type of thing. So that's the best way I can describe it to people and imagine it. Um, but yeah, you want everything to look the same for as long as possible and then end up in different locations at different speeds with different movements.
2: You make it sound kind of easy to be able to do this, but... How long has it taken for you to, to get to a point where you can get it where you need it to be so that hitters have no idea what's coming?
4: A while. Um, I've always had certain pitches that match, uh, but a lot of people don't have the experience that I have or the knowledge that I've accumulated on pitch design. Like, how do I make a pitch break exactly down to the inch the way I want it to, left, right, up, down, at a certain speed with certain RPM and stuff like that? And if you're going to design a repertoire with, six pitches that all fit that tunnel and give you enough pitches that you can throw in the strike zone and enough pitches that you can throw out of the strike zone for chase and all look the same. It takes a lot of years because developing a new pitch doesn't just happen overnight. Now for some people with less pitches, like they can tunnel a fastball at the top of the zone and a slider for a strike. Right? But then if they want to throw a slider for a ball for a chase, it shares a different tunnel. Uh, and still can be a th- plenty effective, you know, but... I can throw a fastball at the top of the zone, a slider, or a cutter, gyro slider at the bottom of the zone for a strike, and a curveball on the plate and a slider off the plate away, and they all look the exact same. I can also tunnel a changeup slightly off the plate inside with that. So I have five different pitch types. Two of them are strikes, three of them are balls, but very tempting. Um, so it takes a lot of years, a lot of knowledge, a lot of studying, a lot of looking at film and a lot of you know good support around me in the off-seasons to foster this and to bounce ideas off of and stuff.
2: And You mentioned that, and it, it sounds like you're, you're so meticulous about it, and it gets technical, but you also have to have the, the physical ability to do that, and, and we were talking before we got started about how you're feeling in terms of, of being strong at this time of the year, and, and we're not quite at the halfway point yet, but um, strength-wise, how are you feeling at, at this point? Because it seems like you're getting stronger as you go.
4: Yeah, uh, I feel great. I r- I'm recovering very well this year. I've added some things to my recovery routines that have been super beneficial. I feel stronger as the game goes along. Like yesterday, for example, my body just felt sluggish for whatever reason in the first couple innings. And then my hips started firing a little better. And, uh, my body felt more energetic as the game went along. And my velo continued to climb throughout the game. And that's a trend you've seen kind of this year in general. My velo tends to go up a little bit as the game goes along which is beneficial. I, I think there's just a lot of work in the weight room, a lot of work with Joe Kessler, um, Kevin Poppy, and the guys up at driveline in, in the off season, just to get me to the point where I can handle pitching every fifth day with a very high volume of pitches and keep bouncing back better. I'm throwing more pitches, more innings this year, and I'm recovering better than I ever have.
2: I thought it was interesting following the game on Monday night. You singled out Jason Kipnis and Roberto Perez, not pitchers, but yep. guys who who had good games, uh, position player-wise. Uh, how important is that sometimes to, to recognize them, especially two hitters who had, have gone through their ups and downs this season?
4: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we're, we're a team of 25, and really we're more than 25 with all the guys that come up and down and help us throughout the year. But in any given game, it's 25 guys. And if we can have contribution from all 25, then we're in a lot better place than getting contribution from only 12 or 15 or however many you know so to see guys that are going through some struggles um or that have had intermittent success or in kipnis has been super unlucky in a lot of t- in a lot of ways uh was i mean his barrel percentages and his uh batting average on balls in play and stuff like that so it's tough mentally because like as a as a as a person as a competitor and as a teammate you want to be able to contribute to something you know it's the worst feeling when you win a game but you don't feel like you did anything to help and um, I know that from personal experience so to see those guys be able to keep the mindset keep their mindset in a productive place where they can continue to be um, a threat on any given night um, and then to see them have some success I mean the, the ball Berto hit could have been caught by, you know, on another night if the wind's blowing slightly differently he smokes that ball and it's an out and then, you know, stuff like that. So it's nice to see balls fall for him and because they've done such a great job of staying with it mentally and trying to find other ways to help contribute and whatnot.
2: And you mentioned that, regardless of how he does at the plate, it seems like he's there for you behind the plate as a catcher and what does he do to help you get through an out?
4: Well, that was the most impressive part about Berto's performance last night. He's been sick for a couple days, like just like he hasn't been in the dugout because he's been like trying to rest and recover, and like just energy level's been very down. There's plays last night with guys on base where I like, threw a bad breaking ball or something, and he like slid way over to block and keep in front, got up to his feet and grabbed like, so no one could advance. Just little things like that that help you win ball games. You know you don't give a team an extra 90 feet. Then a guy on second with one out, the fly ball to the outfield is just an out instead of a run, stuff like that. Um, and to see him be able to do that still with – lower energy levels and not feeling good at all and like his physical capabilities were diminished you know and he's playing through it and fighting through it for the team It's a testament to how strong he is mentally that he can still do that
2: all right we talk about teammates and there's an individual event coming up the all-star game where i would think you would be under heavy consideration do you think about that at all what it what it would mean for you to to pitch in a major league all-star game
4: yeah um there's a lot of money at stake with that Uh, future compensation arbitration negotiations just the award recognition uh, plays a big factor in that so yeah of course I think about it Um, it's been a goal of mine to be an all-star I think I have pitched well enough to be an all-star I should be there Um, so hopefully I get voted in um, on a personal level you know I think we have a lot of guys on the team that are deserving I think Clevenger's had a deserving year Kluber's obviously had a deserving year Brantley, Lindor, Uh, Ramirez or some other ones. I think Yonder has had a a deserving year when you look at what other first basemen around the league are doing and How valuable he's been to our team. So we got a lot of guys that I think uh, should be there And hopefully uh, get as many of our teammates there as possible And what would
2: that say about the starting rotation if if there's
4: three starters on the American League All-Stars? Yeah, I mean I think they'd all be deserving and when you have a rotation like that if you just look at where we stand. I mean, obviously, Cookie's hurt right now, um, so you know who knows how quickly he's going to be able to come back and what what that schedule looks like. But I think I, I look. Last time I looked was like three days ago, and we had four pitchers in the top 11 uh, among starting pitchers in the American League and more. It's a testament to the hard work and the talent level that we have here and how well everyone's pitched.
2: All right, let's finish it up with uh, it's your workout day today. You pitched yesterday, so. You do your workout today. A lot of it involves running. Is that your favorite thing to do? Is is running based on that? I know you said family history wise, there's some good runners in your family, so this must be a lot of fun for you today.
4: I actually hate running (laughs) with a passion, but you know, it's part of the routine, so you do it. But I'd much much prefer to. I I don't mind sprinting, I'm a terrible sprinter, but I like trying to move fast and explosive and whatnot. Uh, But you got to check all the boxes on the recovery and conditioning and uh, workload and volume and all the different things. So running plays a part in that, um, as does weight room and soft tissue work and recovery techniques and uh, Mark Pro blood flow restriction, all the different stuff that I do. Um, It's mundane a lot of the time because it's the same thing over and over, but it's part of what allows me to go out there every fifth day or whenever they tell me to pitch and and be effective and hopefully maintain that throughout the course of a long big league season. Didn't you mention that your dad likes to run marathons though, that didn't fall down to you? (laughs) No, no it didn't. (laughs) Actually I played soccer growing up for 10 years so I ran a lot in soccer. Just never developed an affinity for long distance running but my dad dad tried to play baseball one year uh, when he was growing up and found out you had to have your own bat and glove. And his family didn't have enough money to afford it, so he took up running because he didn't need as much money to do that. Ran marathons. I remember as a kid, he used to put me in like little baby jogger and go out for runs all around the paseos and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, my mom swam a lot. There's more uh, more slow twitch fibers in my family, I'd say, than uh, than fast twitch fibers. And for pitching, you need a lot more fast twitch fibers if you can get them. So that's why I prefer doing more explosive stuff
2: see that it all evens out somewhere along the line trevor thanks a lot for the
4: visit appreciate it yeah sure thing
2: that's indian starting pitcher trevor bauer never one to hold back on any type of opinion or uh, subject and uh, always fun to talk with him uh, some great views on on different things pitching and uh, other areas as well so good to have trevor bauer along with us stay with us when we come back with our final segment of tribe talk we will visit with James Harris. He's the Indians Director of Player Development. The weekly farm report coming your way shortly on the Cleveland Clinic. Indians Radio Network.
0: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, the moon,
5: yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Going to finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
2: Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you for our final segment on this week's show. And as always, we are joined by James Harris, the Indians' Director of Player Development, our weekly farm report, And uh, the farm system grew this past week in terms of teams in action as the short-season clubs, Mahoning Valley, not far from here in the New York Penn League over in the Youngstown area, they got started this week, as did the Arizona Summer League. And the Indians this season have two teams in the Arizona Summer League as uh, they opted to add another team And uh, as a result, they have more players in their system and give more players a chance to play. So a lot of good things happening. And we talked to James about the difference between Arizona Summer League games and the the games in Mahoning Valley. And there is quite a difference between the two.
5: Yeah, there's a little bit of difference there. In an Arizona Summer League game, there's not going to be as many fans. Most people there are family or other players or people who work at the complex. So there's maybe 50 to 70 players or fans at that time. So... It's not very loud or anything like that, um, but they are exciting games. They're usually the newer draft players from each team. So if you follow the draft, you'll most likely get to see those those guys play right away. And it's, it's cheap. Most games are free. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a good opportunity to see some good baseball. But, again, you don't have to fight any crowds or any traffic. So that's the the, the blessing and the curse of that.
2: And on the flip side, Mahoning Valley, much more like what they'll see throughout the minor leagues as they
5: make their way up. Yeah, Mahoning Valley is, is honestly one of my favorite places to go. Um, again, you'll see some, some of our newly drafted players as well as players who were drafted last year. Um, it's more of a fam, fan-friendly environment. They do a great job there in Niles, Ohio. It's a, it's a fun-paced environment, uh, and guys have a lot of fun. And the fans get really involved. They do a lot of promotions. It's a great place to see a game. All
2: right, well, let's start at the bottom uh, with the Arizona Summer League team number two, which is uh, some younger players who haven't necessarily had much professional experience. And I know one of the most recently signed drafted kids, a pitcher, Lenny Torres, is going there. And um, how do you get him acclimated to his first start or two,
5: or even if it's a relief appearance, uh, to get him going in pro ball? What's the plan there? Well, it starts off before they even touch the field, so it's getting them an understanding of... Where to, where to go in the clubhouse, where to check the board to know what your schedule is, how to go through your prep routines to get yourself ready to throw and prepare your body, feed yourself. This guy was in high school uh, just last week, and and to be honest with you, he hasn't even graduated from high school yet. So he'll graduate from high school in the next week or so before he comes down to Arizona later in the month. And it's a complete change. It's a difference between living in the house with mom and dad and coming in and, and being a pro. So uh, there's a lot going on there. Different end of the spectrum, same team,
2: but uh, a position player on that team is George Valero, who was a, a top international sign a year ago. So he's had a little bit of time in the system. Uh, what do you see from him, and, and
5: what has you excited about him as, as he gets going here in the States? Well, he's a physically mature guy, and um, we knew that he had talents and athletic ability, and, and he's, he's put himself in a situation both in his ability to learn the game. He's bilingual as well as he's physically ready to play in Arizona so we put him there last night he hit his first home run so we're, we're really excited about his growth and development and he's a he's a really outgoing player that's only 17 years old
2: now there's two teams out there and then we talked about a couple of players on the Arizona League team number two team number one what's the the difference between the two and do you try and split them up evenly or is there a difference there between the two clubs Well,
5: team number one, you'll see some of our older players, uh, guys who have had a little bit more experience, whether it be in pro ball or in college. And then we'll promote players from team number one to Mahoning. Uh, Our hope is to have the younger players play together and have a a little bit more experienced players play together. And that's what team number one represents. And uh, you have someone out there already from this year's draft
2: again, um, Richard Palacios from uh, Towson State. Uh, a second baseman, middle infielder type and, and already off to showing some good things uh, early on for him?
5: Yeah, I mean, he's he's out there working hard and he's already hit two home runs in three games. He went four for four last night. Um, we're really getting to know him as a, as a player and, and, putting, and setting him up for success, individualizing all of his programming, and then we'll get him up to Mahoning Valley as soon as possible. And you have a shortstop. How about
2: that? The Indians have a good shortstop in their system. <laughs> Again, uh, it seems like that's so prevalent in, uh, throughout the system, starting from the major leagues on down. But Marcos Gonzalez, what can you tell us about him?
5: Well, he's a guy that everyone in our system is excited about. He, he brings flash on offense and defense. Um, he's a guy that has an extreme bat to ball, so he puts the ball in play. He's a guy who can and, and get outs. So he, has, he has a good range. He has a good arm. He can play all over the field, second, third, and short. And he's a guy that, that really wows you out there. Um, don't want to mention any comparisons, but he's a guy that you want to continue to watch. All right, fair enough. And
2: uh, now we'll move to Mahoning Valley in the New York Penn League. And uh, you have a new manager there, new to the system, Jim Pankovitz, uh, from outside the system uh, brought in to to manage that ball club. What are some of the things that that attract you to someone when when you're looking to fill a spot in player development at, at really a key level at the short season level?
5: Yeah, this is a, dev- a really big development ar- area. Now, we know we're player development, but think of a, a, a player going to his first affiliate really wanted an experienced guy with a growth mindset and that's what Pink brings for us. Um, he's a really intelligent guy he's a guy who's been in the game for a long time but he's also learning continuously to be able to, to, to give that to the players and he's done a good job. All right so you have the
2: full season teams have been going since April. Two more teams in Arizona another one at Mahoning Valley getting going in the New York Penn League is this the the high water mark of the season where everybody's going full bore and you
5: have just hundreds of players out there? If you love baseball, it could not get better than this. Every team going, every team playing, hundreds of guys all over the the country and even in, in Latin America, this, this is as good as it gets. All right,
2: James, thanks so much for the update. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's James Harris, Indians Director of Player Development. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll join you next week from Oakland, California, the Oakland Coliseum, where the Indians will be taking on the Oakland Athletics next weekend. So until then, this is Jim Rosenhaus reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. Time
1: to hop back on the bandwagon, folks. Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.